If you live in or around Charleston, you know how expensive it's become to live here. It's not hard to understand why there's a need for more affordable housing in this city. So it caught a lot of people's attention when the Charleston Housing Authority announced last year what will be the biggest public housing initiative in its history. The authority will be renovating or replacing all of its about 1,400 public housing units. The Housing Authority has said that with this overhaul, no low-income housing will be lost and more affordable apartments will be added to the city. This project will happen over the span of multiple years, so there are still a lot of questions ahead about which units will be renovated and which will be replaced, and exactly how many affordable apartments can be added as part of those projects. I'm Emily Williams, this is Understand South Carolina from the Post and Courier, and today we'll be hearing from the CEO of the Charleston Housing Authority about this major overhaul and what it means for residents and the city. My name is Arthur S. Milligan, Jr. People call me Art. Uh, My title is Chief Executive Officer of the Charleston Housing Authority. Art took over as CEO January 1st, after the retirement of longtime Housing Authority leader Donald Cameron. I'm originally born in Columbia, South Carolina, but have roots in Munts Corner. My father was from Munts Corner, and I ended up going to the Citadel. I'm a graduate of the class of 79. Art's first jobs leading housing authorities were in North Carolina, in Rocky Mount, then Winston-Salem. During that time, I met Don Cameron. And, of course, Charleston has a soft place in my heart because being at the Citadel. uh, And Don showed me a lot of things that he was doing in Charleston, which I thought was very interesting. And um, I left there and went to the Tampa Housing Authority and worked there and had some success there. He spent a couple decades working in the private sector, mostly in property management, until an opportunity opened up in Charleston. I was surprised, and it was Don Cameron. Again, was looking with somebody, and we talked. And after having a discussion, he gave me, offered me the job, and I came down here as his chief operating officer. I was here for a little about six months, and Don decided that he wanted to retire after 47 years. The um, mayor... And the Board of Commissioners decided to give me the job as the Chief Executive Officer. Like you said, you have roots in Charleston, but this is your first time working in Charleston and working in housing in Charleston in the last about year. What are some of the first things that you you learned, especially having had experience working at housing authorities in other cities? What were some of the first things that you noticed about Charleston. Number one, uh, affordable housing is valued here, and people are understanding more and more every day the importance of it. The mayor has made it very perfectly clear to me that that was a priority, that first of all, it being managed well, and then secondly, trying our best to increase the amount of units we have. Affordable housing is very diverse here. That you got stuff on West of Ashley, you got stuff on the different islands, and all of those are different places and different pieces of properties. And a lot of cities, all the public housing is just the same. It's Charleston, just like Charleston, that the ones that are on the islands are different from the other ones. And so you have to handle them all differently and have to manage them differently. The Charleston Housing Authority is what can be described as a quasi-governmental entity. 
Its funding comes from the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. It isn't controlled by the city, but it works closely with it. Its commissioners are selected by Charleston's mayor and city council, and the properties the housing authority manages are within the city of Charleston. There are other housing authorities in the Charleston area that manage different properties. For example, there's a Charleston County Housing Authority and a North Charleston Housing Authority. The Charleston Housing Authority manages a total of 1,407 public housing units. Those units are subsidized based on income, meaning that rates are different for different residents. Generally, residents pay 30% of their monthly income. Public housing units are the ones that are funded by HUD. HUD gives us money every year to fund those units. But we also have units like William Terrace is a unit that is not public housing. It's affordable housing, which means that the rents are down lower. People have to pay a certain rent. In public housing, you can get in almost, almost nothing, depending on your family circumstance and your income. Uh, we have um, Grace Homes, which is, again, is not public housing, but we have helped that property be built. And so, therefore, it's affordable housing. And we own several other properties, a couple hundred properties around that are affordable housing. So there's a difference between being affordable, where the rent's lowered, and being funded by the government, where it's strictly down to what you make. And if you make, you know, it's 30% of your income, which if you make $100, then the rent's $30. One of the things we also have is, it used to be called Section 8, but now it's vouchers. This is where a person can come in and they have a voucher from us, and they can go to a landlord and have an agreement with the landlord. And we will pay the rent. The person has to pay a 30% of the rent themselves, but we'll pay up to whatever, that, whatever the market would hold. So we have about 1,600 units like that. And those units you can't tell because a person goes in, they rent the apartment, and they're there. And only... Between them and the owner, does anybody know whether they're subsidized or not? When we're talking about this major overhaul that's underway, we're talking about those public housing units. Every single unit will be either rehabbed or torn down and rebuilt. The project comes out of what the Department of Housing and Urban Development calls the Rental Assistance Demonstration Program. It was created to give public housing authorities a tool to make public housing more sustainable and to improve aging properties. What HUD is doing now is they've said to us that they will allow us to go out and get loans on those properties, either rehab the units and get them in much better shape and bring them up to date or to reposition or tear them down and build new units. We have 1,407 public housing units in the city of Charleston. All of them will be either rehabbed or repositioned or being torn down and rebuilt. And our commitment is those units that are on the peninsula will stay on the peninsula. Charleston's Housing Authority was started in 1935. Its oldest units date back to 1937. And now you're still trying to maintain it. Well, it gets more and more and more expensive to continue it and to contain it. And obviously, it's built with the standards that were there for 1937. And it's just been extremely expensive. And again, HUD's trying to do this all across the country. Do we know yet what the 
breakdown will look like between units that are renovated and those that are torn down and rebuilt? Well, it's hard to say because each deal will stand alone. And, you know, like any real estate deal that you do, the time you do it has to do with interest rates that are out there, what the need is, etc. This is a mathematical calculation. But every deal you do is going to depend on what's going on. I mean, we at one time we expected the state to have tax credits, and there was a given number we were told, well, that's changed. And so now we have to change our strategy. All units will be touched, but it's going to be different based on the time you're able to do one. For people who are currently living in these public housing units, what does this mean for them? You know, right when when someone's unit is being either renovated or rebuilt, what happens to those individuals and, and families when that's happening? There's a number of things that we can do, but one is we're committed that each person will be taken care of as far as those that want to come back can actually come back. And what we're planning on doing for a lot of them will be vouchers. There will be have we'll have tenant vouchers where we will offer those people vouchers, and they can move somewhere else and stay there for the in another apartment somewhere for the time being. And then when the unit's ready and prepared, they'll have the first option to come back to the other units, and then those vouchers will be tied to those apartments. That's one source. But then another play way to do it, we can just move people to some other public housing units. When those units are ready, we'll move them back. This has been thought through in a, in a big way, and HUD and everybody else has pushed it. The tenants have rights, and you know we're giving, we're making sure we go and give a meetings, exhaustive meetings, and telling them what we're doing and how we're doing. It. So we're meeting with resident groups now about stuff that's not going to happen for two years. The uh, the director of of development for us now goes and meets with resident groups at our centers. And every at least every three months, we're sitting down and saying, this is our progress. And some of it's very boring because when you start talking about building, this two years away, we want to make certain that everybody knows what's coming and what they need to do to get ready for it. We'll be right back with more after this quick message. Hi, I'm Avery Wilkes, a projects reporter for the Post and Courier Columbia. As journalists, we work hard to hold powerful people accountable for the decisions that they make and how they affect others. And we have a track record of investigations that have brought about real, tangible change in our community. But that kind of watchdog reporting isn't free. It's time-consuming and expensive. To pay for it, we need people to subscribe and support journalism with real dollars. Help us keep going. Learn how to subscribe at postingcourier.com slash subscribe. This project, of course, is very large. What's the projected timeline right now for completing it? We're probably talking about anywhere from seven to eight years out to get full. And we could be faster than that. Again, it goes back to the economy. Because major construction itself takes a lot of time. The city is committed to making sure that the sewer lines, the streets, and so forth are in good shape. And that, that's going to take time. We're doing some as we speak because we're doing scattered sites, the ones that are off, because there's a lot of public housing that people don't know it's public housing because it's built within neighborhoods that we may be taking a lot and built two units, three units, 
And a lot of those are being done as we speak now because those are not being torn down. They're going to be just rehab. Kiowa Homes, they'll be the first ones we do. We're going to try to follow the path that makes the most sense, that's most efficient. One of the first projects is going to be on Hugey Street, downtown. In February, Charleston City Council approved a zoning request that allowed the Housing Authority to move forward with its plan to tear down 12 public housing townhomes and build a new 85-unit apartment complex. That new building will include 12 units that will replace the public housing units that were torn down. The rest will be affordable housing units with flat rental rates for people who make up to 80% of the area median income. In Charleston, that's about $45,400 per year for a single-person household. All of the units, whether the residents living in them qualify for public housing or pay a flat, affordable rate, will be the same. All the units will be the same, so the 12 public housing, you won't be able to tell them different from the others, which is the way it should be. You won't know who's paying what, because it's nobody's business but those people. But what that does is it allows those property to fit into the the landscape so that they're just apartments. The landlord, who will be the housing authority and a private sector person, will then say, okay, the tax credit period is over. We need to go borrow some more money to bring these units up to place because we got to compete. And it's just like any other apartment complex. If you wait to 15 years and you need to upgrade it, if you don't, people will start moving. And whereas with the public housing existing, unfortunately, the cost keeps going up and and it's gotten out of control. So hopefully with the new system, people, it'll be based on the economy and people will keep up their units and they'll put money back into them because they've got to compete. You know, we don't have to compete with the public housing right now because there's such a shortage. Do we do a... Uh, online system to get people on the waiting list. And, you know, we started at eight o'clock and by four o'clock we have a thousand people that have applied. And that's how quickly it fills up because that's how the need is there. And again, this, the, the new system hopefully will say, okay, people who are dealing with it have to be trying to compete with what everybody else is doing. And that drives them to say, well, let's put aside money. Let's fix stuff. Let's do this. Let's do that because people have choices. And unfortunately, over the years, people in public housing have not felt like they had a choice. That this is where I got to stay. I got to tolerate this, tolerate that. And that feeling by itself is demoralizing. Will we see that model of, of, of what we're going to see on Hugie Street with that example? of having that that mix of, of public housing units, also affordable apartments, are we probably going to see that in other parts of the city during this this process? Absolutely, I hope so. This gives us an opportunity to do a couple of things. Number one, to re- rehab and fix up the public housing units, but it also gives us an ability to create new affordable housing units. And it's been made you know, very clear that, that the city of Charleston, the mayor, is interested in trying to get more affordable housing. The whole idea, hopefully, is that um, by allowing people to live here and adding more affordable housing units, people may move closer to the city so they can walk where they work or drive a very short distance to where they work. And that, that's good for the whole city. 
that this is the largest expansion that's been done in history, Charleston. At no time has anything done been done with a short a span, even though eight years is long, a shorter span. We had properties that were built in 37, but also in 64. So it took a long time for that to, to grow. But here we're talking about millions of dollars that are going to be put into play. And the best thing about all that is, is because it's real time, then we'll be able to make changes and modifications to say, okay, this didn't work. What can we do now to fix it? And, you know, the other thing is we live in a world now where you and other people are going to be watching. And if we screw up or don't do exactly what we're supposed to do, you're going to say, hey, you know, you could have done that better. And that's a good thing because that's, that means that if we do make a mistake, that we can fix it real time. All right, that's all for today. For more details about this project and related coverage from the Posting Courier, check our show notes for some helpful links. If you have comments or questions for this podcast, email us at understandsc at postingcourier.com or find us on Twitter at understandsc. Understand South Carolina is a production of the Posting Courier. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Keep up with the latest headlines at postingcourier.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a different news story from our state.